the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We've been in a series entitled Resurrecting My Life. We've been in it ever since Easter, Resurrection Sunday. We can't get off of it. Why? Because God is resurrecting me. God is resurrecting our lives. The more we press into God, the more things come alive. The more we step out of the tomb, out of the shadows of the old dark, what life we live into the light of His glory and grace. We step into life because God is life. We step into love because God is love. We step out of the old things. We step into the more abundant life that He has for us. So today... We're in part four of this message, and it might be the the grand finale, I'm not sure, on this series, but it's probably the most important thing that we can resurrect, and it's resurrecting a heart of worship. A heart of worship. If you've got a heart of worship, you probably ain't got no other needs. That means you're soaring above all the things in this earth. Oh yeah, you're still going through some things. But you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all powers and principalities, rulers and spiritual wickedness and all that stuff. You're seeing from a heavenly perspective now. And though you go through it, you go through it. You're not camping out in the shadow of death, the valley. You're you're ever climbing the mountain to be with your God. Turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. If it looks like I'm excited today, it is because I am. First John chapter four, verse sixteen says, We know how much God loves us. I hope you know how much God loves you. All you have to do is look to the cross to figure it out. And we have put our trust in His love. That's what I'm talking about. I hope you've put your trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. See, we love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We didn't have true love until we we made Jesus the Lord of our life and the Holy Spirit came in. We thought we loved people, but we only loved them to a point to what we could get out of them. We love the idea of loving somebody. But now we love people unconditionally. We love people like Christ loved people. And the more we stay in His love, the more we love like Him. And the more perfect our love grows. How serious is God's love to you? I hope it is very serious. I hope you're not just here today saying, well, I go to church on Sunday, I get a message, and and I go about my way, and la-ti-da. 
I hope you're, you're coming each Sunday. I hope you're coming on Wednesday. We go to the next level on Wednesday. We call it our next level service. I hope when you come to church, you're coming expecting to be changed and for your life to, to be rearranged. Amen. I hope you're coming to find that love, to find life worth living. And you're not just thinking of it as an activity that's on your schedule. This is your life. Christ is our life. Our lives are hidden with God in Christ Jesus. He's the anchor of my soul. Well, I'm preaching real good. Y'all ain't even amen. Amen. I don't. I, th- I think I'm preaching too fast. Y'all's ears ain't hearing it fast enough. <clears throat> but you see, I've always been one to go whole hog about stuff. When I was eight or nine years old, I don't you say yes, girl. <laughs> when I was eight or nine years old, I lived in Whitehaven. I was playing on Whitehaven. What was the name of that team? The Whitehaven Tigers? No, wasn't. No, it was the Whitehaven some baseball team, a uh, little league baseball team. And I remember my game would be like on a Saturday at 2 o'clock or something, and I'd get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and put my uniform on. (laughs) And I'd just pace the house all day waiting for the game to start. And if there was a cloud in the sky, I didn't know nothing about God, but I'd be praying, God, please don't let it rain. And those few times it rained me out on a Saturday, man, I was literally, I would fall into a heap and cry like a baby. Because it rained my game out. Isn't that crazy? And then later on, as I, I started playing music, you know, started playing guitar, and uh, I found my guitar hero, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Anybody know him? He's a blues player. And Stevie Ray, man, when he would hit a note, he would make that face, you know. And if he wasn't making the face, he's playing it behind his head or he's playing it behind his back. And he played that guitar is almost like every note emitted straight from his heart. And whether, you know, I don't listen to secular music now anymore or whatever, but I can tell you I appreciate somebody that gives their whole heart to something. It just, you can't deny it. And he gave his whole heart to every note he played, and I wanted to be like him. And I couldn't play a thing like him, I'm telling you. But that didn't stop me. I started to bring a picture of me in here playing a talent show with my guitar behind my head, you know. Blank, blank, blank. <laughs> But I wanted, I was, I was a whole hog type of guy. I wanted to be whole hog. I was inspired. That's why I preach so loud because I'm a football coach. You know, I'm trying to get you pumped up about the things of God. We should be excited about Jesus. What are you excited about? If you ain't excited about your Creator, what do we have without Jesus? Nothing. Where would you be without Jesus? God forbid we even think about it. Just remember what He's done for you. Stir yourself up today. You know, there's another thing I got really excited about later on in my life. I got really excited about this, but I'll tell you about that later. Turn to Luke chapter 15. Resurrecting a heart of worship. Now, this is the parable of the prodigal son. I'm sure you've heard this before, but you've probably never heard it preached as far as worship goes. What is, what's the angle we're taking here? Well, let me show you. In verse 11, 
Jesus has just gotten through telling them about the parable of the lost coin and the parable, other parables about the lost coming back and being found, you know, and the excitement of coming back. And there's a song that comes to mind. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. You remember that song? I was showing the praise team that song this morning. I thought we might play it at the end of the service if we get time. But Jesus isn't encouraging them. He says to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now, I'm not just talking to the youth here. But if you're going to go off into a, a far land and plan on doing some wild living, you think you're not going to serve God, you're going to serve somebody. And this nice young Jewish man, kosher and all that, well, I don't know all their regulations and everything. I know this, they're not supposed to have dealings with pagans and they're not supposed to have dealings with pigs. And now he's serving pagans and pigs. You're going to have to serve somebody. I'll say it over and over again. You can live under a bridge and say, I'm not doing anything anybody says. But you're serving the devil under that bridge. You can't get away. You're going to have to serve somebody. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one, no one gave him anything. You ain't got no friends out there. Not in that world. Because they don't have that love I talked about. They love you only up to the point where you buying the drinks. You stop buying the drinks, they're not going to give you anything. Now I want you to notice in this parable so far, we have two sons. These are not just servants, these are sons. So if we're equating it to us today, we're saying these guys were saved. These are saved children of God, right? But both of these sons are okay with insulting their father. How would you feel if your kids came to you and says, I know you ain't dead yet, Dad, but go on and give me my money now. Insulting. The father. I wonder how many of us are insulting the father with the way and the choices and the decisions we're making in our life every day, and we just think it no big deal. It's God; He can handle it. Like like He's some robot up in the sky. A lot of us think of God as some robot up in the sky, but He has emotions. He cries over you. He sings over you. He is jealous for you. He sent his son to die for you. Is it so easy for us to insult him the way we do? The younger son 
intentionally moves farther away so he don't have to be near his dad. Insulting. The sinful soul seeks to escape the authority of God. I didn't realize it why I ran for so many years, but I was deep down something was seeking to run from any authority. I, I began to put God out of my mind like he didn't exist. I, oh, I'll just believe my college professor, what he's preaching. It'd make me feel better about the darkness that I'm in. The sinful soul seeks to escape the authority of God. The sinful soul thinks that we know better than God. So we can just spend our health and our wealth and our youth and everything on the slop that this world has to offer. Now I'm really getting good. The sinful slop. You writing it down? Well, you have to get the podcast. <clears throat> and we end up slaves to the world. We end up slaves to the devil. Our paycheck goes towards all of his endeavors in our life. Whether it's court fines, getting out of jail, alcohol, drugs. And we're slaves to the enemy. And our old drinking buddies ain't offering us a thing. They ain't offering us nothing. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there today. Maybe you're feeling that famine that's on the way. Because God always sends a famine to try to wake us up. Amen? Maybe you're feeling the emptiness of running from God because that's all you're going to feel. You're seeking to fill that hole in your heart with something other than God. It, it don't work like that. How many people you can sleep with? You may get moments. You may get glimpses of feeling like I did it or did I accomplished this or that or, or this high makes me feel this way or whatever. But it's always a letdown. And sin always grabbing you more and pulling you deeper. And then you begin to lose that whatever feeling you originally had and now you're just a slave. Now you're just chained up and you're treading corn for the devil. And your eyes have been poked out and you lost sight of who God made you to be like Samson. Amos 8, 11. The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. See, God sends the famine. Not a famine of bread and water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Nobody's hearing His voice. You don't hear His voice when you're out there anymore. And our souls dry up without the sustaining voice of God in our life. See, He is life. And He brings life. And when you're connected to Him, you have life. But the farther you get away from life, the more you ease over into death. And without His voice, His voice is what brought life. His voice is what made you out of the dust of the earth. He said... Let there be light. Let there be life. And we get out there and we're so far from His voice and we can't hear Him and there's a famine in our souls. And verse 17 says, but when the young man, when he finally came to his senses, 
Say, come to your senses. That's the good news. You can come to your senses. Maybe this is a wake-up call for somebody here today. I hope it for every one of us today, it's a wake-up call for us to, to come to our senses and realize where life and love is found. And where fulfillment and joy and harvest and health and wholeness and all the things that God wants to put into your life, where they're found. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I kind of picture, you know, a young man out there and he remembers. I remember at least when I used to go to church, you know, people had some love and support, you know. I was running from it, didn't want to hear what the preacher had to say, you know. Wasn't planning on doing any of that stuff, but at least I found some love and support for my life. And, and the, it's like, it's better than this. And so he decides, I'm going back. He said, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He just wants to come back as a servant now. But see, this young son, he doesn't know much about God's love. God's love is unconditional. He doesn't know God's idea of family is forever. He doesn't know that he holds us in his hand. And no man can snatch us out. We'll be sons and daughters because we have eternal life. He says, I will go home with my father and say I've sinned a bit. But he didn't understand. So in verse 20 he says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Obviously waiting for him. And I'm telling you, God is waiting for somebody in here today. He's been waiting for this day. He's been waiting for this moment right now that you would come to your senses. And it says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. Now, who could do that? You done insulted me, son. You done took my money. You done went off and spent it. And now you're going to come back like nothing's wrong. But no, the father was waiting. He was looking. He was waiting for this day, longing for it, the day that you would come home. He saw him. He ran to him. He didn't wait and make him grovel. In fact, he tried to grovel. grovel. The son says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Before he could even get to the servant part, the father says, he breaks in and says, but his father said to him, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill that fatted calf that we've been fattening. He must, we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead. And now he's returned to life. Isn't that what I just said? When you leave the father, you're headed towards death. But when you come back, you're headed back towards life. Because he is life. He is love. This son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. The party began, and I hope there's a party beginning in here right now. 
If there's a party in your heart right now knowing that you can come back to God, shout amen. amen. There's a party anytime one lost person comes back home to the Father. And we're talking about sons now. We're not talking about lost people that hadn't even met Jesus. We're talking about people who have known, the, tasted the love of God and then trampled the blood of Jesus all across on the way to the pig pen. But he's still looking for you to come back. That is the mercy and the grace and the love of our God. Now the older brother, it goes on to say, he come out of the fields and he heard all the noise of the party and he asked one of the servants, what's going on at the house? Your brother's come back, the servant says. He's like, oh. <laughs> Your father's killed the fatted calf. They're celebrating. And he won't go in. He's upset. He doesn't want the other son to come back. Lord forbid if that's going on in the church. Now we don't want somebody to come back to God because of the way they used to be. Like we forgot the way we used to be. And the son, the older son don't want the younger son to come back. He's there though. And now he's upset. The father has to go to him. The father's a peacemaker. The father reasons with us. He said, son, your brother's back. Don't you understand? He was lost and now he's found. It's right that we celebrate. He said, but you never gave me no fatted calf. You never throwed me a big party. Just thinking about himself. See, he was the brother who stayed at home. Maybe you grew up in the church and you still go to church. Maybe you never left. Maybe you're playing the good son. Maybe you're following God's rules. Maybe you're working for the kingdom of God. He was out in the fields doing his daddy's business. But he didn't know anything about the father's love any more than that other son did. And I want you to know, you can be in the church 24-7, but your heart can still be a long way off. You can draw nigh with your lips, but your heart be far from me, God says. And so we got to be careful. That's why that song always comes to me every so often. And I think about, I'm coming back to a heart of worship. None of us maybe means to slide out of a heart of worship, but we do over a course of time. And the devil's tricks and all the, the cares and anxieties of this world begin to heap upon us. And we forgot that we can cast our cares on him. We forgot where our freedom is. A child is never complete without being tethered to the heart of his father. And that's true in the natural. If you didn't have a dad growing up or your dad didn't love you or you was mistreated by your dad, you're carrying a scar right now. A child will never be complete without the love of the father. And I'd like to say that your dad's going to change and this is, you can be reconciled and maybe you can. Certainly God can, you can pray for that. Maybe or maybe not. But I can tell you one thing I can guarantee you. There's a father to the fatherless. And it's our father in heaven. And he can more than make up for anything that your earthly dad can do. You can tether your heart to his and you'll be just fine. 
So many orphans in this place right now know what I'm talking about. You've been adopted into God's family. I mean, He chose you. I'm talking about a good God. Are y'all listening to me today? Why do we run? Why would we want to run from such love? See, these two sons, they sought the dad's hand, but they didn't seek his face. They wanted their inheritance now. But they didn't want the relationship. A lot of churches, a lot of people in a lot of churches, they want the promises of God. But they've, they've grown cold in their love towards God Himself. You know, I used to lead praise and worship for many years here at the church. And when we were a smaller church, there'd be sometimes we'd start and it'd be just a smattering of people out there. We'd start to praise and worship. And I'd be like, I don't even know if anybody's coming today. <laughs> and then by the end of the three songs or however many songs we play, I look out there and it was a little crowd. And they had shown up during the worship. And I thought to myself, man, I'm, I, I got to start singing better. These people don't like the way I sing. <laughs> And there wasn't nothing I could do about that. I tried. But you know what? God showed me it wasn't about me. He'll always show you it ain't about you. <laughs> the people wanted to come and get their inheritance. But they didn't want to spend time with God. They wanted to come and and find out all the promises of God and get some wisdom and some knowledge how to make their life better. But they didn't want to come for the worship. See, it's a grand exchange. You come and you worship God and you open up your heart and you welcome Him into this place. And in His presence is fullness of joy. Then begin the gifts to be poured out. You're just going to show up after worship. You might as well just go to a little dry Bible study somewhere. Y'all might as well be reading out of the Book of Mormon or something. I mean, you can get good principles anywhere. I'm talking about not just a, a Logos word. I want a rhema word. That means when God takes His written word and He makes it real in my heart and I have the faith to receive those promises... I will be working on my singing though. I've thought about quitting so many times. Why do I embarrass myself? Why do I keep singing? I got a loud voice though. And it works well at the jailhouse. And it's better than nothing, you know? We all can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But what we don't need to do is be lukewarm. God hates lukewarm. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Jesus said, I don't like, I wish you was cold or hot. He would rather you be cold and not even come to church than to come to church and not even partake of, of a relationship with Him and pretend that you're all right. At least if you were cold, you'd go off into a far land and experience that famine and have to come back. But if you're in the church and you feel like you're all right, but you have no relationship with Him, you're in the most dangerous place ever. 
come on back to the heart of worship. Don't forget what everything is about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first and the greatest commandment. Out of that commandment, everything else flows. If you don't got that right, Jeremiah 3, verse 22. My wayward children, says the Lord, come back to me and I will heal your wayward hearts. Come back to me. I will heal your wayward hearts. What do you say to a love like that? What do you say to somebody who has seen all the stuff you've put him through and still says, come back to me? I will heal your wayward heart. Well, they go on to say, yes, we're coming, the people said. For you are the Lord our God. They made a fresh commitment. Yes, we're coming back. We're coming back to the heart of worship today. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. All your heart. Say all your heart. God doesn't want you to come back half-heartedly lukewarm. He wants all of your heart. All these things you're struggling with, the giving and the coming to church and all the reading your Bible, and I just it's just chore to you now. It's because you're half-hearted. You have lost your first love. You have walked away. I can't wait to get in the prayer closet. I walked, I'm walking a trench in this place. Praying to God because I can't wait to get my business work done so I can come in here and pray. And I still feel like I'm lukewarm sometimes. All your heart. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 says, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. He'll cut away all the stuff that ain't supposed to be there. And the heart of your descendants. He'll do it for your children. If you'll set the example. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. He said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. Not this junk, that, this half in, half out. No hogginess. <laughs> I'm making up words again. What does the Father bring into our lives if we were to trust Him? What if we came to Him with everything that we had? What if we came back today like the, the prodigal? What would we get out of the deal? Resurrection! Resurrection! He would slip that robe of righteousness back onto your shoulders. Go get the finest robe. The robe of righteousness paid for by the blood of Jesus. And all your excuses and, and, and condemnation that you brought upon yourself and all the things that you're going to say to God, He'll say, put your list of excuses back up. He'll break in on you and say, hold on, just put the robe on first. Put that ring, that signet ring that signifies you're a son, a child of God. 
back on your finger is the authority of God. Isaiah 61, 10 says, I am overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord my God. For He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in the robe of righteousness. Put that ring on. It's like a credit card tied to the storehouse of God's blessing. You still have authority as a son. You just sign it with the signet ring in the name of Jesus. We've been running from God's authority. It's natural. Our old sinful nature runs from the authority of God. But the whole time, we didn't realize that the authority of God was working for us and not against us. And we are supposed to operate in the authority of God. We're sons and daughters of the King. And that authority is to work for us. Amen again. You got the robe on. You got the family signet ring on. Now you're fixing to slip those Nikes off. Put on the sandals of God. Superpowered sandals. Made for spreading the gospel of peace. Made for sharing this good news with somebody else. It's their, their, their supernatural sandals that's made to, to give you purpose back in your life. You thought it was this. You thought it was baseball, but that rained out. You thought you were supposed to be Stevie Ray, but you realize you can't play. You can just make the faces. But you will find yourself in God's purpose for your life. You will find what He created you to be and you will slip them shoes on and it'll be like a ha uh, old house slippers. They'll just be so comfortable in your robe and your slippers and your little ring. You're looking good. I'm telling you, you're returning, stepping in God's purpose. It's time to celebrate with a feast. Let the party begin. The party has been there all along. The Holy Ghost party don't stop. You just left the party. Come on back to the party. Psalms 23, 5 says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. That means the devil can't do nothing to stop it. Ain't nothing he can do. All those people tell you you're, you're just one of those Jesus freaks. They're making fun of you, but the whole time you're feasting and they're over there famine wishing they could eat the pods in the pig pen. Pretty soon they'll be coming to you say, tell me about that Jesus again. You're feasting down here in the presence of your enemies. That's not a, a far away up in heaven scripture. You don't have no enemies in heaven. That's a scripture for here and now, even though we read it at funerals. You can feast. Down here in the valley. You can have peace in the valley. Hallelujah. And I guess the, the thing the two boys didn't understand the most. One who had ran off. Done his wild living. Which is me and probably a lot of you. Some of you who've been in the church the whole time. 
but maybe it's just always been a chore to you, just something you, mom and daddy made you do. Neither one of them understood Luke 15, 20. It says, filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And that's the best part of life, of your Christianity, of who you are, is being one in love with your Creator, being whole, allowing Him to embrace you. When's the last time that you allowed God to embrace you? You know, we got that rebellious spirit as teenagers. I keep telling Josh his old years growing up, Josh, the, the hormones are going to kick in and, and it's natural for you to want to be your own man and to do your own thing. And I said, I'm going to give you space to do that. But don't let it go to the place where you're pushing me away and you won't talk to me anymore and we lose our relationship because that's the way a lot of teenagers do. Josh, you've done pretty good, boy. Amen. And that's the way God is. He'll give you space. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to be able to do things on your own. But it's so much better if we choose to do them with Him. So much better. The embraces, the hugs, the kisses. Let dad slobber all over you. I mean, how many just wants to just have him just bear hug you right now? And he will. God, bear hug us right now. Lord, we just thank you. Kiss us right now. Show us your love. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.